mean, I, I think it's, uh, you have to find a way to do it, but it's very good to talk about uh, past mistakes in leadership. Um, if you can find a context and, and a group of, you know, how you do that is important. Uh, I did this a few, uh, probably a year or so ago, I did a, a four sessions on talking to men in my church. And I remember debating whether to tell them about something I had. Should I tell them this? Shouldn't I? I decided to tell them. Uh, I told them it. And one of the guys at the end uh, said to me, it just made me feel you were human. So I think it is good to tell people about past mistakes. I think what's behind that question and what was behind that answer really kind of sums up what we're getting at here, which is should leaders express vulnerability? And in a culture where to be successful, to have influence and the whole celebrity thing and to be a hero is someone who holds it together, that's the last thing the gospel's about. So there's a lot to be said if we can find, uh, as Owen just said, the right way in the right context to say, hi, I'm vulnerable. I haven't got it all together. Or because I'm up the front or because I've got a mic doesn't mean I've got everything made here. I'm as dependent on the grace of God as you are. I may be just a little bit ahead of you due to gift or call, but that doesn't mean I'm out there and got this working. Um, and as you can tell, I've been around a while. And one of the things that I've had to kind of fight is the whole uh, thing which we can pro project onto people to be something that they're not. And what Jesus wants is authentic people who are passionately following him and are able to share some of that story. So, um, oh, it's loud. Um, I became a Christian when I was 18, and um, I, at that time, had already started connecting with uh, the youth work in my church and um, was getting to know a lot of the young people. And probably in the stage of becoming a Christian, I was already finding myself uh, coming alongside a lot of the younger lads um, that were in the youth group and, um, and just starting to speak into their life, sharing experiences that I'd um, been part of and stuff. And so when I first met Jesus quite quickly I just knew I had a heart uh, for supporting others and, and mentoring younger lads and helping other people to connect with Jesus too um, so I just took you, um, opportunities within my youth setting um, to just serve the, the team that were there so there were some great um, uh, leaders on the youth team and um, just to help them and to just get involved in whatever areas I can I could um, and alongside that um, start to just uh, yeah just share my faith and things that God was doing in me in the early stages with other people that were in the youth work to help them along as well so I quite quickly knew uh, when I got saved that God uh, was going to use me to impact others and and I just looked for any opportunity I could to serve the church to serve the youth team and to serve those that were around me so um, yeah, I, similar kind of start in terms of youth work and kids work. I think I found in a smaller church, and it might be different if you're in larger churches, but being faithful to things that are available. So there just felt like there were lots of space, spaces where people weren't prepared to step up or didn't want to take it on. So my story was yeah, youth work um, and, you know, God spoke some things to me and you start talking through and, and okay you prepared to run with that and you kind of think oh, I, I don't really know am I and, and just kind of going with it and thinking I don't feel qualified but God's spoken to me and people around me are suggesting that maybe we could try it and see if you fall flat on your face or you don't um, and it just kind of went from there really and I did fall flat on my face I still do um, and there's still space for leaders and I think my experiences have been if you're prepared to be faithful with the things that God's spoken over you it, it just yeah it's gone that way yeah, I think uh, Wayne and Nikki are touching on this already. I, I suspect you'll hear the whole way down the line. I, for me, I started my leadership journey when I started serving. Uh, Jesus said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And, and if, if you're looking to serve in a leadership context, it's got to start with an understanding, certainly in the church, but not only in the church. This would apply um, in, in the marketplace as well. But by how do I serve the people that are around me? So for me, in a church context, when I moved to uh, Brighton nine years ago, uh, initially that started in the worship ministry um, as, as a musician, but then quickly it was in the youth ministry as well. And it was this guy, Stephen Dawson, kind of watching things. He was overseeing the youth ministry at the time in the church, and, and uh, I knew him a little bit, but he as a leader was watching what was happening among the team. 
and he was watching me, just seeing what God was doing, watching from a bit of a distance, giving a bit of responsibility here and there, but just seeing what would happen. But uh, I was really able to flourish under that, and I uh, was really able to carry more responsibility when, when another leader, in that case, Stephen, was able to say, look, uh, we just want to give you more space to grow, so I'm going to move out of the way, and uh, we believe that God's on you, and, and, and that you're going to do great in this. So I'm, I'm hugely indebted you know, to him, and there'd be, I, yeah, he, he says, that's right, I, I am hugely indebted uh, to him, but many others would be a well, uh, as well, in all seriousness, so, so get around people who are willing to make space for you, uh, even at great personal sacrifice, and, um, and, and just ask how you can even be serving them. Okay, so um, my journey's... <laughs> they like to talk a lot. So my journey, I was Christian at eight, and I just started teaching in Sunday school. I love people. I like serving. And again, like these guys have already said, I just started to serve. And I live my life by, if I can see a need and I can meet it, then that's where I'll serve and help. And as I've developed as a Christian and as a leader, um, non-Christians have been my passion. So Alpha was something I passionately started to serve in and then started to lead. And welcome the same. I love people. And then an opportunity at Christchurch came up for me to lead the team. And I thought, there's a need there. I can meet it. And I'm going to serve there. And I think the biggest thing I can say to you is just serve. And you will find your space to lead. Uh, I moved to Brighton when I was um, 19 and as a student. And just got involved in the kids' ministry. And was good at making up messy games. And I've not really moved on. For me, it was leading the CU at school. That was a big step up. Never done anything like that before. That would be the first leadership thing. The next thing after that was my first job. Um, and whilst things like FP Impact and opportunities in church, as we've all kind of hit on, uh, we should pursue it, go for it. But numbers of you will be in the secular workplace. And don't kind of think that second rate or think, oh, that's not the real leadership. I learned so many leadership lessons, some of which I didn't realize until I looked back in the secular workplace. I think I've just got three words. Serve wherever you can, watch other leaders, and wait for your opportunity. I think we're all, in one sense, called to lead. I think when um, God speaks at the beginning about the fact that we as people are to go forth, multiply, but also subdue the earth, I think there's a sense on all of us where we're, uh, we have influence in the spheres that we're in. So you, we have different, maybe... Uh, uh, a kind of a size of gifting so some of us are called to lead thousands some hundreds some maybe just a few but we're all called to have influence wherever wherever you are so my wife is an incredible leader but really the main way that she expresses leadership at the moment is with our six children that's the main way she expresses leadership at the moment that's what she's got time and capacity for whereas I've got the wonderful opportunity to leave thousands of people in new days there's different ways um, but call to lead yourself and then actually wherever you are you're called to have influence with others as well um, I agree with Stephen, and I think um, in a church setting that there is definite leadership gifting, and I'm in a church where our leader is very gifted in vision and strategy, but it doesn't mean my leadership gift is any different to his. I just bring something different, so I think we can all bring something different in leadership, but some people definitely have a gifting to actually lead churches. Recruiting team. Easy. Leading myself at times with battles that I face and challenges in my character and stuff like that. What he said. I find having to confront someone if perhaps they've done something wrong or haven't been as they should have been, I find that really hard. I hate doing that. Um, leading with other people, actually, I think it's one of those things. I'd quite happily get on going this direction, but realising that God doesn't make you just to do your own thing, but actually was to lead with others and make sure you know, you're not a leader if there's no one following you. So uh, you're learning that, I guess. There are times when part of leadership is to back off and let people you have responsibility for learn things for themselves, and you can feel very vulnerable and think, am I shirking my responsibility? Are they going to learn this? Are they going to hear God for themselves? But it's a vital part of leadership. I think I find most difficult uh, helping other other leaders to grow in the sense that not other leaders don't always know that you're trying to help them. <laughs> and so I find it emotionally challenging when people, maybe they come back at you, they're, they're, they're maybe not as committed or, or whatever it is. I find that actually quite, quite, quite a challenge personally. Great. Thank you guys for being so honest and so helpful. Just to say, like, this is like seriously a great panel with real rich wisdom coming, so thank you. I'm enjoying it myself. Um, as part of a leadership team, what should I do if I don't feel that I can lead 
under the current leader of my group or my church? Probably a couple of you to answer this. So if you're in a, well, you know what, what I'm saying. <laughs> Was that you, Steve? <laughs> he, he texted you that in. <laughs> he texted it in. Um, obviously, it depends on the setting. I've encountered this. I've had this in my own life. I've encountered it in the lives of others, and, and even in the last few months. The majority hear this. The majority of the time, the answer is stay and die, and let Jesus do some stuff in you. Now, of course, there's cases when it's time to go, but too many times in my own life and in my own experience of trying to help others hear what God is doing, it's been in those tough times when you think, but I disagree and I'm sure God thinks I'm right. That actually, God is saying, I want you just to shut up a bit and just trust me and let me work this out. Um, and I can say every time I've had to do that, um, and some of them uh, have been incredibly painful, what God has put in my life has been worth far, far more than had I have got out and tried to do something else. So that would be my take on that one. Uh, yeah, the reason I haven't put it in my face is I have been yeah, in this situation a couple of times uh, where I've struggled under an, someone else's leadership. And um, yeah, m- more, more often than not, it's to do with you than to do with the leaders above you often. And I think of. God often puts us in hard situations to grow maturity in us. And I think I would say that probably to the, the generation that are asking these questions probably is that actually if you're sitting under a leader that you don't like what it is, well, actually being frustrated is part of being a leader because you want something other and that's part of it. And But living with that frustration, being patient uh, with it, learning how to lead in all directions. So it's lovely as a leader when you're leading that way and people are following you and you're saying, do this, do this, we're going this way. But actually you need to lead, lead horizontally with your peers and actually you can lead those above you as well when Timothy talks about setting an example to everyone well, that's, that goes to leaders above you as well and the way that you honour leadership uh, above you is massive and God loves it when we submit well to our leaders and we're a joy for others to lead and so that's a great lesson to be able to learn when you can be under authority I believe God gives you more authority that's great okay let's stay on this theme but take a slightly different uh, angle um, what tips do you have for leading a team which is already established that you inherit from somebody else. What top tips can you give? So I took on a welcome team that I've been running for like two years under another leadership. And I just took the first few months just to watch, learn, listen, and hear what the teams were already doing before I made any changes or exercised any authority. I just got to know the teams and I got to hear what was working well and what wasn't. So I would say if you're going to go into a uh, team that's already established, try and work out what's going well, what isn't going well, and don't change things straight away. Get people on side and love them through it. There's a guy named uh, Stephen Covey who's written a book called uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, one of them is to seek to understand first and then to be understood. And I think that really applies when you're uh, inheriting something. Don't be quick to make changes. Don't be quick to rock the boat. Take time. Build relationships. Relationships are like bridges. If you, if you try to put too much weight on the bridge too quickly, it'll just crack. It'll crumble. But if you take time to build the bridge strong, to build the relationship strong, and then you put weight on it, the bridge can take the weight, usually, often. And uh, you, can, you can go ahead with some more, um, with some greater changes. But if you do it too quickly, uh, it could risk disrupting things and, and you not understanding the people you're trying to serve and them not understanding you as the one who's leading them. I just, I totally agree with all of that. But I just add that it's okay to to bring something of yourself into the context as well so so last year I took over the youth work in um, KCC and Ben was the the leader before me so he was he'd built an amazing youth work and he had a great team in place but I was coming in to then to then lead the youth work and um, and I felt all of these things I thought I've got to I've got to give this time I've I don't want to come in and bulldoze it and be like right now I'm here it's going to be kind of the way that I do it I want to catch hold of what's God's vision for this place what's the what's God now calling us to 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 build and to take on from what Ben had kind of set up but then there was also a part of me thinking I'm I'm a different leader to Ben what what Ben would build will look differently to what I will build because we're made different and we've got different gifts and stuff so so I I knew that there would be a time where I would have to bring change and for some people on the team actually they would at that point go actually 
I was brought into how it used to be and, and I don't really feel like I, I'm, I'm in line with where we're going to now go and, and at that point I, I wanted to work through them and say okay well probably now it's time to kind of step off and, and let's find another role for you in the church um, because this is, this is now where I feel like I'm, I'm bringing leadership um, to, to where we're going to go and stuff and I think that's okay um, I, I think you've got to keep your heart right you've got, to, you've got to love people you've got to walk with people but you've got to build what you believe God's putting on your heart to take forward and uh, sometimes that's, that, that is a challenge and people don't always go with you on it and I think as long as you serve those people love those people and keep your heart right in it then, uh, then that's okay as well So that's great okay Wayne you just touched on this a little bit um Again, maybe a couple of you would like to answer this. How do you deal with people uh, who are wanting to serve in a particular area uh, that you believe they aren't necessarily gifted in? I think you just, in leadership, you've got to have um, good communication with people. You've got to have integrity with people. And you've just got to be open and honest. So, so I've, I've got a team of volunteers that I'm leading at the moment, probably about 40 different um, adults on my youth team. And, um, and they, there's, there's lots of different personalities, lots of different opinions, lots of um, different things that, that come up. And lots of people that are very hungry to, to serve and to step into leadership. But some, some people... Um, want to go for things that, that at times I feel like actually that's not the best fit for you and I think it's, it's right in those contexts to, to be open, to be honest um, to, to have good communication with people, to spend time with people trying to explore well why is it that you feel like that's the right fit for you um, and let's, let's kind of look at that and when you do do that kind of this is how I see that you're functioning and this is the fruit that I kind of feel like you're, um, you're, you're getting or you're not getting and stuff and I, I think you've just got to be open honest with people but you've got to you've got to love people through that process if I just turned up and said you're rubbish at that get out it, it wouldn't be the, an honoring of that person but if I say actually in that role you, you're, I, I see your heart you're, you're really wanting to kind of serve and serve well but I don't know if that's the best fit for you um, this is why I feel like that and can uh, maybe actually over this area this would be a better fit for you and I think you've got to try and work with people on that but crucial conversations I think is really important and to not back away from them if you're going to be a leader you're going to have to deal with conflict you're going to have to deal with times where it's tough and it's hard and um, things aren't always going straight forward and stuff but, but if you can kind of keep your heart right in that and help people through it you'll build a good, a good thing so. I think there are a number of different ways that you can approach this kind of question because you might be in a situation where it's not that easy to change the situation that quickly so you almost have to first of all even in the situation you're in help people to see whether or not that that particular role fits them you you might actually want to put some support behind them to help them make it because not everyone's going to fit every single role. So sometimes you have to work with the person in the role, and what you have to do as the leader is you you have to support them, you have to help them. Uh, On other occasions, you might have to just make make slightly bigger changes uh, over time, and, and this might be a leadership thing that people don't necessarily like. Sometimes you build new things around old things. So if you've got someone in a place and you're thinking... That's not really the best thing, but right now I can't deal with that. You build a new thing around an old thing. You're honoring this person, but you're building something new. And actually they can then either gravitate into a new culture of leadership or maybe at a time that they they might have to move on. What I think you have to do is you can't move quickly when you're dealing with people like that. You, you can't shaft them quickly. You, you can't change it quickly. You have to work with people and you have to pass the people through. And also, you don't want to have too much of a fixed mind about what this person can or can't do because you never know what God can do. The only thing I'd add quickly, and I think it fits into what you've just heard, is, is don't make the decision in isolation. Never, never lead in isolation. Get other opinions on it. Why are you certain that this person isn't the right fit for this role. You could be right, but you could be wrong as well. So it's good to get the opinions of others around you that you trust, uh, that you trust are listening to God, uh, that know this person, that wants the best for this person, and ask them what they think. Uh, make as informed of a decision as you can with a team. I don't necessarily mean a team of 10. It could be two other people. It could be one other person that you really trust who really knows that person because it could be that your assessment of the person and the role might not be right and uh, another voice might help. 
That's great. Thanks, guys. Just to say um, where we're heading with all of this as well, there will be opportunity to get some prayer afterwards. So if there are um, questions behind questions or you want to get some prayer, uh, there will definitely be an opportunity to do that. Okay, here's a subject that I knew would come up, and I don't want us to get bogged down in this one, um, but it would be great to get a bit of clarity. So let's start with this one. Uh, should females have leadership roles within the church? Should they be given full-time staff roles? Quite an easy one, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so in, I work in a church where I'm part of the leadership team, the senior leadership team. I'm not an elder and we don't have women elders. Um, but I lead Alpha, I lead Welcome, I lead the baptisms, I run our Sundays um, operationally. And we have many women leading connect groups, um, our ladies ministry, we have uh, ladies hosting, we have ladies preaching on a Sunday. So yes, I think they should be involved. And we have many full-time staff who are ladies on our team. I think many of our um, churches would hold the same value that um, Jenny just talked about. The fact that we think actually uh, eldership is reserved for men, but every other role is going to open in that sense. I think the practice of our churches has still got to do a bit of catching up, to be honest with you. I think as uh, churches, we've got to keep pushing on and saying, how do we help women really flourish in leadership? Sometimes I think by the very fact that we'd go for male eldership, sometimes we're better bringing men through. And I think we'd wish, we, I personally wish we did a better job at our church. And it's a continued discussion for us. And I think we've made some really good strides in it forward, but I think there's still room to grow. That's good. I mean, I think we've, there's a few different questions that have come through on the, the role of women, and we don't need to stay here for a long time necessarily. I think these guys have answered the question. I'm just happy to take a question, maybe two questions from the floor in response to that. Is there any questions that anyone would like to, to ask? Yeah, it's sensible. Um, I agree completely with the idea of women not being in eldership, but um, I really struggle, um, especially if people have said to me that I shouldn't preach, I shouldn't teach, and that I should marry into leadership. And this is something I found um, with a couple of um, men and women. And um, I, I really don't know how to respond to people who have those opinions. And also, I don't know how to then affirm my choices in wanting to be someone who leads and both preaches and teaches. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a challenging situation that, 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 that we're in in the world at the moment. And I think that for many leaders, and I'm sure along this panel, I know for me, I had to go on my own journey in relation to what uh, women could do in the church. And what that looked like for me was to go back, for me personally, I went back to scripture, I went back to prayer, and I had a lot of, a number of conversations. But what I've discovered is... Uh, culturally the way we kind of work where, where guys get together and chat and to be honest a lot of male leaders are less comfortable uh, if you like in, in, in strong conversations with women or being around women if they're not their wives or whatever and it becomes very difficult to develop women when you're not in relationship with them it's very difficult to develop anyone so one of the things that we've tried to do in our church is, is to build teams where there are um, men and women involved and to affirm women in leadership positions now for some churches the reality is they don't believe that women should preach or teach and that is a sincerely held belief and the bible allows people to have sincerely held beliefs even even those that are different and I think if you're in such a church you 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 know as, as I imagine if you're young you just have to you submit to that you live within that as you get older, you might go to yourself, well, um, I have a sincerely held different belief. And, and in the same way that some people might have moved church because um, of the work of the Holy Spirit, some people may well one day move church because of this kind of thing. But there has to be a submission in the heart. When you deal with issues around men and women, and I would say the same around race, you mustn't make it personal. You've got to get away from it being personal and it's about me. Because when you make it personal, that's what people see. They see the issue. So you really, you yourself always have to work through something and then really come to a place where you're at peace about, uh, if this happens, great. If this doesn't happen, great. I'm here to serve God. That's what the point is. That's great. Okay, we're just going to take one more down here and then we're going to move on, I think. How do you seek discipleship for a leadership type position if all of the leaders are men? 
So how do you, just if you didn't hear that, how do you seek discipleship um, if you're a leader, if all the leaders are men? It's, it's a great question. I, I think in all of the questions on this topic, it's, it's so important. It's, it's great that you're, asking, that you're asking them here. It's so important that you take this, these questions to the leaders of the church that you're in because it's, it can be a very complex thing. Context plays a huge role in this. We're, we're, Stephen and I are in a city called Brighton. Many of you will know a few. Th- I, I will get to that. Uh, many of you know a few things about Brighton, but the summary would be this. The, 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 the tragedies that take place in Brighton are caused by men, and they're caused by men behaving like boys. That's what's wreaking havoc on the city that, that, that I'm serving in right now, that Stephen is serving in right now. So for us... Having men at the front of the church preaching regularly, teaching regularly, involved in those roles is, is, is an important thing because of the context that we're in and the people that we're trying to um, really bring correction to. We, we believe that one of the best ways uh, to love the women of Brighton is to help men behave like biblical men. It's, it's as simple as that. And, and, and tragically, in many cases, they're not. Now, what applies in Brighton might not apply in some other areas. In other areas, it might not be the same sort of scene. So, so context plays a role in this as well. Yes, there's a theology of it, but we need to understand the context of where God has called you, the church he's called you to, the city he's called you to also. If you feel that all of the... Um, whether this is the case in your church or anybody else feeling that all of the leadership positions in your church are, are only occupied by men, I personally, I would, I would be surprised. I'm, I'm not familiar with many churches that would, that would be part of our network of churches that would be that, but I'm not an expert on it. If you feel that's the case, go to, go to your leaders and just graciously ask the question. From what I see, it seems like it's like this. Can you help me understand this? And if that is the way, why do you believe it? And if it's not the way, explain to me the way that it is. Give them a graciously invite them to give you an opportunity to understand from their perspective so i'm 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 not an elder in the church because i'm a woman and so the 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 elders i would say they don't necessarily disciple me but they would challenge me on my role so if i'm not doing something i should be or there's a character flaw but if i'm a personal um a situation then i would go to a really good girlfriend and ask them and pray with them because actually they're the people in my life who know me the best so I think as a woman, while the eldership team might not be able to help you personally, they can help you develop and bring out your gifting, give you opportunity. And as a woman, uh, we need women around us to, to do life with and to share. And um, find yourself some really good girlfriends. Find yourselves mother figures in the church, auntie figures, sister figures. In Christchurch, most of the women are 20 and 30. and I'm a lot older than that. And most of them are like, I'm like an auntie or a mother or a sister. And a lot of them would come to me. So find yourself some older, more mature women who can help you and encourage you I just wanted to add a few things in terms of that I think sometimes we can get locked up into our own church environment and I've got some amazing friends who I've just picked up along the way and I'm not letting go of them and they're not in my local church and we live in a culture where media is superb so I've got a few groups there's one particular group of three girls and we've been in three different countries at different times and on Skype and it's superb I've also had amazing discipleship from from leaders male leaders so our previous church in in Luton the guy who heads that up you know he he was very comfortable with having good conversations you know with marriages with with single people women who haven't got a husband beside them and therefore are pushing into leadership um and I feel very much like I've been raised by men and women in my own church outside of my own church as well um and I just felt about the a question that came a bit before about um preaching and all of that I also have so my I don't know that mine is particularly a preaching gifting it's not come up that I've wanted to lead in an area and I haven't been able to, although I have been around quite releasing guys. But I've got friends who very definitely have huge leadership gifting and they're women and there have been seasons where they've found it tough um, and they've just battled with God and moved through. And I've known women who have been in similar situations and battled and given up. And I think there's an element of which if God has given you something, it's his that he's given you. And he will navigate your path. That's, by definition, how he works. Um, And so if you are a leader, you are going to be in a tough situation and you may be leading away in something um, and looking for that to be already paved out 
is in some way a little bit odd if you're a leader that you might be paving a way and I've got some amazing female friends who have definitely paved the way in in major areas in their church in in their local communities because they lead and because they've gone to God and they've just handled their gifting with their God and and moved as God has given them grace to do so um and there's been times of frustration and times you know that have been majorly releasing as well so I don't know if that helps that's good I know um I mean this is an issue uh, obviously has been quite a hot topic um recently I suppose more and more um but if you do want some prayer or to talk about it further afterwards um then we'd be really happy to do that just going to move on. Um, Owen touched on something a moment ago, and I think it'd be great, actually, if Owen and Andy, particularly, if we could hear from you guys um, on this next question. Um, and it's this. How do you build a diverse leadership team? Um, obviously, we've talked about gender, um, but in terms of building a diverse leadership team, how can we do that? Yeah, so when I think about diversity, I, I don't just think about ethnic diversity I would think about <clears throat> uh, gender diversity and I would try and have a team of people because uh, you can disciple through a team so you can be discipled by men through teams and so if you build the right kind of team um, but to build teams it's, it is all about relationship and it does take time um, one of the wonderful things about New Day is the, the amount of many many great teams that there are here to serve there are 800 odd servers at New Day but, but one of the other things about New Day is the event moves very fast when you arrive so if, if you haven't built relationships somewhere the chances are you could, you could come in and you could struggle with it so if you're going to build diversity into any team you must give it time you just must because what happens is in every team there are always moments of tension and conflict and in those moments of tension and conflict, if you're not very comfortable with someone or you don't know them, you're likely to, to withdraw a little bit and maybe start saying, should I do that? I wonder why they did that. I wonder why he did that. I wonder why he said that. I wonder why he acted in that kind of way. And if you don't have sufficient relationship, you'll never ask that question of the person. Now, when you build with people who are from completely different backgrounds to you, that kind of misunderstanding, possible tension it is common. It's going to happen. And so you have to have built sufficient relationship that you can cross that divide, go in through that, across that bridge and ask those kinds of questions and take the time to do it. One other thing on building a diverse team. Don't think to yourself, okay, we need a black person on our team because we're all white or we need a white person on our team because we're all black. And then you put that person in the middle and you ask them to represent everything about their culture. Because they don't know. Some of them, they don't know anything about their culture. All they know is they came to help. And you're asking them, what does it mean, you know, what does it mean to be black here? And, and they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So, so you don't pull people into your team and try and make them a spokesperson for a whole culture. Because no one can do that. Don't do that with women. You don't have a woman in the room and go, what's it like to be a woman? They... they they're not there for that kind of reason, and that just exposes their difference when actually uh, you need to focus on the things that you have in common. Great answer uh, from Owen. A couple of things to add. I think this is urgent. Uh, we just love hanging out with people like us. Same social class, same music, same sport, uh, same colour and everything else. That needs to change. That's not the gospel the gospel, as Owen just referred to, brings barriers down. We've got to build churches that reflect that. We've got to be leaders who go to people who aren't like us. And we all feel comfortable when we know how to come, have a conversation with someone, whether it's sport, music, or whatever else we've been reading on blogs or whatever. It just look at Facebook. It's the same thing. Uh, the gospel demands we go to people who aren't like us. Uh, so therefore, leaders have got to do that. Leadership looks different across different cultures or can look different across different cultures. Um, so we need to be aware that some people in our churches who have influence among their cultural group won't necessarily come to the front, grab the mic, prophesy, bring a prayer or bring a testimony because in their culture, uh, they defer to those who have titles. Um, and even though we can teach, we don't believe in titles in some cultures, they're deferring to the elders at the front, and you have to go to them and draw them out. So we have to learn to look and watch. In some cultures, 
uh, you show respect by not looking at someone in the eyes. Um, where as leaders, we kind of want to make eye contact with people. You're going to be a leader? Look me in the eye. I want to know what you're thinking, what's on your heart. Uh, that's not the same in lots of cultures. So let's be intentional. Let's hang out with people who aren't like us. Do what Owen said. It takes time. In lots of cultures, time means food. We like to make an appointment with people. You want to hang out, be discipled? Uh, hang on, diary, or about an hour on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, can we do that between 9 and 10 at my office? No, go to their house. It honors them. Eat together. Spend ages. Do this time thing. Not just in time in terms of over weeks, but time with them getting to know, listening, and understand that leadership can look different and learn and ask questions. That's so helpful. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, we're going to take um, uh, a, whatever. We're going to change direction. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and I want to get through probably three more questions. So, again, just a couple of you, and if we can be as sharp as we can. Um, this is a great question and one that, you know, if you're at all interested in leadership, please do uh, make sure you listen to this. How do you keep a good work family life balance as a leader when you've got six children oh. <laughs> um, I have um, a document that I look at regularly that um, has priorities for my life and um, my wife is on that my kids are in that and I'm very specific about what my what, how, how my life to look and uh, the reality is that church leadership pulls you every which way uh, pastoral things do not fit within nine and five they really don't and uh, yeah just demands of, of life um, so I'm just very clear about how I want my life to, to look uh, the reality is being a leader will impact your family and uh, your family will make sacrifices for the, the ministry and leadership you're involved in. And I think that's okay. But I think you will be really clear about what sacrifices you are going to make, not just falling into it and letting it run away with you, but being very deliberate, saying, actually, New Day, for instance, is a big sacrifice for us as a family. It's a week where we come away, and my family know they're going to get half an hour with me a day. That's just the way it works. That's the week. That's how it works. But we decided as a family, that's what we're going to give ourselves to doing, and that's okay. Um, there's other times... So, for instance, I just, I'm dedicated to going on a date night with my wife every week, every week outside of our house because that's what we need. I know that's what we need to recharge. I know that's what my family needs to keep on track, that kind of stuff. I know that each of my kids gets a daddy date once, uh, once a month. That's how it works. Things like that. Just bring things in that I know my family at this stage needs. I am not good at this. <laughs> and I have a document that I go back to regularly to keep reminding myself and keep, kind of re, keep pressing reset on with. I appreciate everything that Stephen said. My approach, put your family first. I'll be honest, I put my family first and I lead my family out of my own devotional life to my own prayer life. That's how I've led my wife for all our married life. As, it's, as I have gone to God, I've then gone to her. And as I've gone to her, then I'll go to the kids. And uh, the one thing I did, because I was, felt guilty, was when we moved churches and we went from being part of a youth group of 100 to my girls being the youth, I bought a big TV because I felt guilty. Because I, I, I realized that we had sort of, it was a massive deal for them, and I just said, God has taken on this. Then, if you have kids, get them involved in what you're doing. Yeah, now I moved when I, my kids were just about teenagers. Get them involved in the mission, and that way you can keep them on track. The only thing I'd just add is... Let me just ask this question, okay. because then you can answer them together. Okay. Okay, so in addition to that, how can you prevent burnout? I was going to say just having um, good godly counsel in your life as well is just really important. So I think if you're enthusiastic, if you're someone that wants to kind of um, be a leader and, and you're someone that naturally serves people and, and wants to see God's kingdom advance and God's church built and stuff, then you probably will be vulnerable to being someone that will overdo it and overcommit to some stuff and feel like you've just got to say yes to everything. And um, you often find, or I often find that a lot of uh, leaders that are coming through do face times of burnout. They do face times where they don't get it right with, with getting this balance of, of, of life and family and work and everything um, sorted. So I, I just think it's really important to have people that will speak into your life, that will challenge you, that will say, look, how are you doing in your family? How are you doing in, uh, are you in your kind of just time off? How are you doing with your non-Christian friends? Are you spending all your time with Christians? Or are you out in the, like having time with your non-Christian, like just looking at your life and saying, is it healthy? Is it functioning? Is it working well? So, so if you haven't already, 
and you want to be a leader, well, I just say anyway, like get good accountability in your life, get people that you can look up to that are wise that will speak into your life and just cover you in this and challenge you um, in it as well. So, I think on the burnout question, a couple of quick things from me. I mean, this is a huge uh, subject, but really, really important. Uh, really simply, because I, I, the people that know me know that that's how I like to think. Jesus says childlikeness is good, so that's good enough for me. Uh, Jesus is in charge. Numbers of leaders who I seem charging around and running around as if building the church rested on them. Now, I love being with leaders who have vision, focus, big capacity, make things happen, uh, have structures, are off to the next thing. I find that inspiring, but part of it I can find worrying because Jesus builds the church. And Jesus wants us to have a lot of fun. So Jesus is in charge, and he wants you to laugh. Make sure you have plenty of time to laugh. Whether that's with people hanging out and going to watch a film, whether that's with a few mates over and having a barbecue, whether that's sitting down a pub and having a chat, whatever it is that makes you laugh, make sure you do as much as that as you do of crying, serving, giving, fasting, and praying. And you think, really, Andy? That's what you've got to say? Listen, guys, I'm 50. I've had the privilege of doing this a lot, and that would be some of the best advice I can give you get lots of time to laugh. And the reason why you can laugh is because Jesus is in charge. Anything you won't get to, he's already got to it. Anything you failed at, he knew you would and he'll fix it. Anything anybody else wants you to do and is waiting on you and wants you to email, Facebook, message them or tweet or any blog that's been written you've had a chance to read can wait because Jesus wants you to have some fun. That doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard, run hard, give love and care for people. But Jesus knew what it was to take the disciples away and say, come on, let's just go and have some time together. And get that one right. And remember this on the family thing. The first question I think Jesus will ask us, for those of you uh, that end up being married and end up having the joy of having children, the first question Jesus will ask you is, did you love your wife? Not how many churches did you plant or soul saved or people healed? And did you love your children? So for me, I, I've not done the chart thing. I get that. I get why that works. I get what Owen is saying in terms of the whole thing about leading the family and that being priority. The way I've done it, I, I couldn't map it out. I mean, two of my daughters are over there. Some of you, you can go and ask them what they think and whether this is true or not. Uh, but for me, it's thinking all the time. Actually, Jesus will say, did I love my family? Before he asked me about church and the Middle East and anything else. It does change in different seasons as well. So different seasons you find yourself in, you have You've to reassess. You've got 15 seconds, Wayne. So, Go on. That's it, I was just going to say. And it's okay to say no to stuff. It's all right to say no to stuff. That's good. Okay, let's be sharp on this one because um, we're coming into land. Um, what do I do if I'm given a prophecy about leadership? Nikki, you've got the microphone in your hand. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, weigh it, definitely. Um, if it sits comfortably... Um, then it's resonating with you already. Um, I bounce most of my prophetic words off a handful of different people, um, put it in a little drawer and, you know, see what happens over the next little while. And when you come back to the stuff that God's spoken, does it sit more heavily? Um, That's I'm cool. sure there's wiser words. I would just say, um, as well, from a personal point of view, um, probably one of the first prophetic words I got about leadership was around the age of nine, um, I'm 32 now, um, and in terms of what I felt in my heart was always to lead church. Uh, I'm still not leading a church, um, so I'm in transition to lead a church, but still not there yet. So I would say weigh the prophetic, be patient in the prophetic as well, uh, is really essential, but go after it. So if, you, if something resonates in your heart, be deliberate. If you believe that you're going to lead a church one day, prepare yourself don't rush it or force it to happen but start to prepare if you believe that you're going to be a worship leader then invest in the gifting that God's given you uh, don't waste time don't uh, just mess about with it be diligent with the time that God's given you but be patient as well uh, and God will see you through okay I'm going to ask you in just a moment each one of you I'd love you to tell me the best book on leadership that you could recommend? So I don't want that question to come yet, but I'm going to ask that question in just a second. Uh, and so just before that, would like to ask, should I put myself forward to lead or should I wait to be asked? If leadership is serving, and you heard quite a few people say at the beginning, just serve, then don't wait, serve. 
and you'll find you're leading. If I'm looking for leaders, I'm looking for the people that are putting out the chairs, that are clearing up the rubbish after services, are coming up and saying, can I get there early and I, can I pray with you for stuff and, and pray for the evening, are uh, wanting to, to be welcoming to people, connecting with people. So it's like that stuff we should all be doing. We should be all stepping into serving the church and serving people around us. I also think um, leaders aren't actually mind readers. So if you really want to lead, come and talk to us or ask your church leaders if you can lead because sometimes they're not mind readers. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Ask, uh, ask. But if you hear no or not yet, be ready for that. But don't be afraid to ask. That's good. Okay. So uh, let's... Oh, before I ask this question, is there anything that's come... I'm just going to give the opportunity for maybe one or two questions that's come from all of this stuff that you'd like to come back on from the floor. Okay, we're going to go with this guy back here. This guy's fallen asleep. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> Who had the hand up? Back here. Um, this was just a, about earlier about um, having leadership and building leadership teams. I was just wondering, um, how do you build leadership teams which reflect your local area because I'm currently in Liverpool and we're having a lot of problems having um, leadership teams which are actually scousers so that's kind of what's going on okay let's just have one person answer that if possible please what was the, what was the word that you just used I'm Canadian Scous- scouser, scouser. Liverpool what, local Liverpubians yeah Liverpoolians hardcore Thank you. Liverpool boys Canadian uh, just you know whoosh, straight over my head sorry uh, so I'm um, living uh, amongst the estates of Brighton, and we moved there. Um, my wife moved there ten years ago, really to reach the people and estates for them that they are uh, unrepresented in the UK church population generally, and definitely in our own uh, church population in Brighton. And so, but for us, one of the big challenges is just that: how do we get kind of native? Well, where I live is White Hawk. How do I get native hawkers to be in leadership? And the reality is, is a bit like Andy was saying earlier, and Owen about kind of uh, building diverse teams. It takes time and relationship. And for us, I, I deliberately um, and intentionally spend more time in putting into uh, those, the, the guys that are coming through from our estate. Uh, because I know that the kind of next tier of leaders below me, they're all going to come through almost whether I help them or not. It's tempting to put into them because they're more teachable, they're ready to go and that kind of stuff. Well, I'm looking down the list thinking, that guy's never going to come through unless someone grabs a hold of him. And so that's the guy I'm going for. So I'm thinking, actually, you could be an elder, but you're going to need some serious work and you're the guy I'm going for. Because these guys, they're going to come through, whatever. Do you know, they'll get some attention, all kind of stuff. But it's the guy down there thinking, if we're ever going to change the culture of my leadership team so it reflects the people I want to reach, you're the guy I've got to put time into. I'll just say quickly, just in the meantime, the, the goal will be to have the people, the, the types of people that you're trying to reach, to have them represented on your, on your leadership team. That is an excellent aim. Always have that in sight. In the meantime, I would say if your current team does not have that type of person or that type, uh, or that, yeah, that type of person on the team, take the team to where that person is. Your next leadership team meeting should be at the pub where those people are, should be at the event that those people are. Don't, don't just find the church you know, the, 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 the room in the church that, that the, all the other meetings have happened at, get out to where they are, get the team thinking that way, keep praying, and eventually uh, I, I, I'm sure you can trust that God will give you that person to actually be on the team itself. Great. Thanks, guys. Okay, I'm going to give one more question from the floor. Going once. Yep. Um, what do you think, like, personality-wise or... Um, character-wise um, makes a good leader because everyone's like, oh, a good leader does this, does this, and does this. But like, if you don't do those things, is there any way that what you can do could still characterize you as a good leader? I don't know if that made sense. Okay, just quick fire round, one word each. What would you look for top of the list in someone's character for them to be a leader? One word. Don't know if I can do one word. Someone that serves and someone that loves people. So, so you've broken the rules already. <laughs> Leaders break the rules. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, I would look for people that love people. Uh, teachable. 
I would go love people. Love God, love people. Perseverance. Abraham, Moses, David, years. Big churches we look at today and think, wow, how'd they get there? It was years. You've got to be thinking as a leader, am I going to be here 30 years from now? So a leader is someone who carries responsibility. Let's go. That's good. Okay, good stuff. So we're going to come back to the question that I said earlier. What's the best book that you can recommend on leadership? Understanding Leadership by Tom Marshall, written years and years ago. I've never read anything better since. Uh, really, really good on the whole thing of servant-heartedness and leadership as Jesus intended it to be. I think it's been reprinted, so you should still be able to get it. Tom Marshall, Understanding Leadership. I can't think of the best. Uh, I, the first book I remember reading on leadership was uh, uh, John Maxwell, Developing the Leader Within You, uh, which was just very, very helpful, very practical, very helpful. A uh, book called, uh, again, not the best one, but I think probably a good one for you guys, um, in the sense that it, uh, a book called um, Church Planter by Darren Patrick. Whether you want a church planter or not, it talks about the man, the message, and the mission when it comes to just in church leadership or just fundamentals and asks questions that really get under your skin and into your heart, which I think really help uh, kind of work out why you want to be a leader, what kind of leader you want to be, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've just finished reading uh, one of my favourite books now. It's called Second in Command by Dutch Sheets and Chris Jackson. And I'm not the main leader of the church. I'm part of a leadership team. I'm reading the book about how you handle being second in command and working to a leader and how you play that role has been really helpful. So if you're not the top leader, you're second or you're underneath that leadership, really excellent book. Um, just looked at my phone to get the author's name. If you enjoy reading biographies, I think you'll enjoy this book as well. It's called The Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham uh, by Harold Myra. Just, uh, it's, it's a series of interviews with people who worked alongside of Billy Graham, who is arguably the most well-known evangelist, uh, po possibly of the modern age, uh, quite confidently, in fact. Um, but that would be the book I'd recommend. Um, I read last year a book called Love Does by Bob Goff. Um, I'd got a bit lost in leadership um, and it's very simply love, the, the major message, love God, love others. Um, I laughed, I cried. Uh, he just is a superb book on loving people very well. I'd say the Bible. That's one. <laughs> hey. And, um, he was going to say my book. I'd also say um, the one that I think is one that I recommend to loads of people is Courageous Leadership by Bill Hybels or anything by Bill Hybels um, is very, very good. So, um, so, yeah. It's good. And a 360-degree leader by John Maxwell as well. Another great book on leadership. Okay, guys, let's give it up for our panel. And... Um, what I'd love us to do, if it's okay with you, just to hold you for a couple of minutes more, uh, leadership is so vital uh, to the advance of the kingdom. It's not to say that other people aren't vital to the advance of the kingdom. As we've heard, all of us are called to lead in some way, shape or form. But uh, leadership is essential. You see it all through the Bible. And so you're probably here because either you already are leading or you feel the call of God on your heart to lead. Um, and I'd love just to pray for you guys and maybe a few of you guys would like to pray as well. Is that all right? So why don't you stand on your feet and let's just ask that God would come uh, and meet you guys and anoint you and bless you in the years ahead. So let's close our eyes and just be uh, ready to receive from God. I'll pray and then as I say, maybe. Father God, I thank you so much for the, the gift of leadership. I thank you that you are interested in every individual in this room. And I thank you that you gift us. And I thank you for the great privilege it is to lead. We thank you for your great example, King Jesus, of, of servant leadership, that you came, you were, were happy to, to serve and to die in our stead. And I just thank you, God, for the, the heart and the passion that's in this room. And we just say, Holy Spirit, would you just fan into flame that that you've already sown? Would you just fan into flame a desire and a passion to lead? Ask in the name of Jesus for courage in this room to step out, 
to go where men and women haven't gone before, to take the baton for this generation and to drive forward hard, to run hard, uh, but to take it on and absorb all the wisdom that we've heard today. Holy Spirit, come and bless, come and anoint, and come and release leaders all across this nation and all across the world, we ask. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you that we're standing in a room, the next generation of leaders. And Lord, it's a privilege to, to watch and see these guys wanting to lead. And Lord, I just pray firstly that they would never, ever lose the wonder of you, that you would always captivate your, their hearts with your love. Lord, that they would run after you with all of their hearts, with all of their beings, with all of their souls and spirits. Lord, I pray for each one of them as they sense a, a real burning in their hearts to lead, that they would look for opportunities to serve in their churches, that they would gather leaders around them and uh, seek discipleship to help them in that. Lord, I pray for those in this room that they would also lead many to you. Lord, we want to all lead people to Jesus, and I pray that these guys here would lead many of their friends, their families, the churches that they end up leading to Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for these guys, and we pray that you would burn in their hearts like no tomorrow, and they would never lose that in Jesus' name. Some of you have just uh, wandered in here, maybe you've not even thought particularly about uh, the seminar, you just thought, oh, I'll come along, um, but you've heard things in here that will change the direction of your life, uh, because you've had some things that have just been corrected and aligned about how you thought leadership was, and you've got to go away, and you've got to process, and you've got to pray, uh, but for some of you, this has been really significant. Father, I pray for those who you have your hand on, who you sovereignly brought here and you have touched them through this, this hour of, of discussion and question answering. And I pray, Father, that they will bear much fruit uh, through what you have done and said to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, don't just pray. Just stay with our eyes closed for a moment. That was for many people here men and women. But I also feel for some of you women, the Holy Spirit wants to come on you afresh now. Because, you know, as you heard in some of the to and fro, we know there's lots of things that we want to see more releasing and all of that. But Jesus wants to speak over you. Your voice counts. Leadership isn't about gender. Leadership isn't. And he wants you to know that he's given you a voice. He wants you to know that you can influence. And here's the phrase that I felt he give me, that release and freedom is found in Jesus. It's not found in structures. It's not found in models. And it's not found in strategies. And for some of you who particularly have been kind of feeling squeezed or thinking, is there any place for me? Even now, the Holy Spirit is bringing a sense of hope and faith to you. And it has nothing to do with where you are or where you live or who's around you or who is in your life. Holy Spirit, will you bring faith? Actually, right across the hall to all of us when it comes to leadership and knowing that actually destiny is determined by you and not by those around us. But I pray especially for women in this hall. Lord God, any who feel they've held back, any who have felt intimidated, any who have felt, but I don't have a place where I am. Holy Spirit, breathe on them. Even now, may they sense release and hope. Not because structures will change or anything else, but because of your call on their life. Amen. Um, just leading on from what's been said, um, just as I was sitting down, I felt God saying that... Um, like really similar to that that there's people here who um you're feeling limitations um from words that other leaders have said to you that make you feel like you can't be a leader and um again i just think god wants to release that i think that god wants to affirm your calling to leadership by breaking those lies that have been said whether it's like specifically things to do with your like who you are so whether that's gender but also things with your character um that people have said to you that that doesn't make a good leader like god wants to break those lies because ultimately he's the one who's going to determine whether you're good to lead or not and he's going to grow you in that gifting and then um a couple of other things um there's some i think god wants to bring some repentance from attitudes towards your calling so um some of you and this may be hard to hear um 
are loving the fact that you're called to leadership and there's nothing wrong with that, but you're com- now comparing yourself to others and thinking that you're maybe better than them because you're called to leadership and God wants to, uh, well, yeah, God wants you to repent for that. Like, uh, you shouldn't compare yourself to others. Um, and on the flip side of that, others are completely resenting your call to leadership. You didn't want to come to this. You don't want to admit that you're called to leadership because that's not something you enjoy doing. You don't like being up front, but actually... Um, Again, what you're essentially doing by saying that you don't want to be a leadership, be in leadership when you've been called to it, is saying that God is wrong, um, and God has been wrong to call you to that. So I think there needs to be some um, repentance there, and like, don't disqualify yourself from what you're saying. Um, and it's just on that, like, it's totally okay. I think for you to ask God why He's given you that calling. Like, if you're feeling hurt, it's totally okay to be like, God, I don't understand like why I've been called to leadership. So bring it to Him, but don't resent. Um, the calling that's great guys there's, there's a load of content that's just been brought and uh, at different points I've seen people's heads nodding what I'd love us to do is um, there's a load of red caps here ready to serve and to pray with us and um, let's just close our eyes and um, just some stuff that, that Owen and Andy have brought and the words that have just been brought there for some of you you, you need to, to Step in and be confident that God's called you to leadership. It's like a calling out in terms of a destiny. For some of you, maybe you've been a bit uh, arrogant with this gifting. Um, But if you just sense that that some of what was said in just a moment ago uh, was true of you, and it doesn't matter whether you're a young person, you're a youth leader, church leader, uh, we'd really love to just draw close to you in this time. So do you want to just lift your hand if that's you? If you just want some prayer, someone to stand with you uh, in this moment. Uh, and then red caps can come and, and just move around. That would be really helpful.